This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kibalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Our text today is Igris Moshe Evan Ezer Chelik Aleph Simon Kuf Aleph. We've been going through his Moshe Ketubah in chronological order, uh, but this and the episode previous to this are undated Chuvot, so we can't know if we're doing them in order or not. The Chuvot is written to Chaim El Azri. Uh, Rabbi El Azri is rabbi in Canton, Ohio, until 1972. Uh, he lives till 1984. Uh, the Chuvot does not address him as the rabbi of Canton, Ohio, which might uh, tend to think that it's late, but actually Rav Moshe has four chuvot Rabbi Elazri, and one of them is written in 5717, uh, well before uh, 1972, and also does not address him as a rabbi of Canton, Ohio, so that seems not to be an adequate proof. Uh, Rav Moshe certainly has a uh, relationship with Rabbi Elazri, um, and the other chuvot, the other three chuvot are 50, two in 5710 and one in 5717. Um, so if I had to guess, I would think this was an early chuva. Uh, from around uh, then, from the late fifth, from the nineteen fifties, um, and that also fits into the pattern we've generally seen with Moshe's use of the phrase "lonetan leemer klal." That um, when he's having a long, uh, you know, enjoyable conversation with a colleague, he will use the phrase more loosely than when he's uh, arguing on something that he really cares about, lamasa, where he has a, a, a moral stake. In the issue, and here too, the phrase is used rather loosely and extremely. Uh, we saw that Rav Moshe uses it, uh, even says things that cannot be said at all, not only when the other person has said them already, but even when um, Achronim or, or even Rishonim have said them. In this case, uh, we'll see that he uses it about a position taken by the Mishnah Lamelech. So let's go to the let's go to the actual Chuva itself, which I think is uh, important and fascinating. The background I want to give you to this Chuva is that there's a famous. Uh, Lamasa dispute between Rav Moshe and Rav Yosef Eliel Henkin. Uh, perhaps we'll do a series on, on that at some point by itself, where um, Rav Henkin thinks that in the vast majority of cases, civil marriage affects halachic kedushin, and Rav Moshe, while he admits that that would make a lot of sense, thinks that it's against all the evidence. Uh, it's a vital psak in, in, uh, in the United States generally, in terms and in terms of preventing uh, mamzerut. Um, and it's somewhat distinct from their, uh, their what they also disputed about non-Orthodox marriage. But we'll, um, it's not exactly the same issue. Uh, but we'll see in this chuva is that uh, even if we take Rav Moshe's position there as fundamental, which I think is correct, that his conception of the relationship between condition and marriage and uh, you know, in common law marriage, civil marriage, all those things, is not quite as different from Henkins as you might have thought. So let's um, so let's start the, with, the, with, the, with the content of the tshuva. The question Rabbi Lazari asks is, if uh, X marries Y civilly, and now, um, after some years, they want to marry, uh, they want to marry with the chuppah, Kedushin, Kedas, Moshe, of Israel. Um, so what should the ketubah be? Now this question assumes that they are not already halachically married, so they can have a chuppah, Kedushin, with a bracha, or he doesn't ask a question whether, right, whether it's a suffix bracha or not. The question just is, what is the ketubah, since at the time of the Kedushin, of the Chuppah, uh, um, since the marriage has presumably been consummated in the interim, or def- right, or not just presumably, but the couple have said so, 
Um, so she plainly is not a betula, she's not a virgin, and so there is, uh, the ketubah um, should be 100 as a default unless he explicitly uh, you know, chooses to accept upon himself a greater ketubah. Uh, so Rav Moshe can, uh, points out um, that there are many other cases uh, where a man would be marrying a woman who is um, who is known to him not to be a betula as a result of his own prior uh, relationship with her. Um, two of these cases are um, cases mentioned in the Torah, uh, either where uh, where he has raped a woman, we're going to leave aside the emotional consequences of that case, but you know the Torah says that uh, he is obligated to marry her if she is willing and then he cannot divorce her and then he has to pay a fine. And similarly, if um, he seduced her, uh, right, there's a British, if she is Ne'enas or Mefuta by him. So Moshe thinks that um, from one of these cases, there is a clear proof that the, um, there's a clear proof that in one of these cases, the Ketubah is 200, even though at the time of marriage, uh, the woman is obviously not a Betula. Um, the case he c- comes up with is that on Yevamos, Daf Samach, Amad Allah, 68, Rafuna Barav says that if a Kohen Gadol marries a woman that he himself seduced, uh, so the marriage is forbidden because a Kohen Gadol has to marry a virgin, but nonetheless it's Chal, right? It takes halachic, it takes halachic effect. He has to divorce her via a get. And Ravacha Bar Yaakov says that as a result, um, because the marriage is Chal, he does not have to pay the knas of a mefuta because a mefuta does not have to pay the um, pay the knas if he marries her, which is his choice. Um, unlike an onus who uh, right who pays the fine anyway. And Tosfos says, but hang on a sec. Now he has to give her a ketuba. So what does it matter whether we call the money that he has to give her the a knas or a ketuba? So Tosfos replies that there are three nafkaminos. One is um, if if at some point she forgives the ketuba. So she can forgive the ketubah, but she can't forgive the, or she hasn't forgiven the kanas. I'll leave aside whether she can or hasn't. Uh, secondly, that the ketubah and the kanas are paid from different qualities of land, if they're paid out of land. And thirdly, that the ketubah is the rabbanon, whereas the kanas is the oraita. The other is, if actually the kanas and the ketubah are different amounts, then that would obviously be enough community that Tosos should have mentioned, but he doesn't. Um, and uh, the fifty and the the, the knas of fifty is equal to two hundred. So obviously she gets a ketubah of two hundred and not one hundred. Uh, now the Mishnah Melech says maybe you're wrong. Maybe the knas of fifty is only equal to uh, the ketubah of uh, one hundred. Rav Moshe says this is lonitan le'amir klal. This is something that can't be said at all. And he brings various proofs that uh, obviously the fifty equals um, equals two hundred. That uh, uh, that uh, Rav Gamliel learns the amount of the Ketubah Betula from, uh, right, from, from the Knas, so that obviously, con- that obviously connects it, um, and Pidina Ben also, we have, we have the numbers, Rav Moshe says that the Mishnah Melech is either a Toast with Var Mishnah, or else a typo, which is, we said, you know, that particularly in Lamdish discussion, uh, he's, he is willing to make extreme statements of that sort. This is not really the core of our, um, of our issue. Uh, Rav Moshe then points out, so this is, <clears throat> that's in terms of somebody marrying <clears throat> their own their own uh, mefuta or, uh, or or onus, which is not the um, the circumstance we have here. But Moshe says here I have three other cases where a man would um, would would have kedushin bichal with a woman whom he knows at the time of the chalos kedushin is not a betula, and the reason he knows that is because he has in fact uh, had 
um, full intercourse with her. Um, three cases are if he married her as a minor, and then after she becomes, uh, we're going to leave aside the question, right, of why we're matir, uh, why we're matir sex with a betula, right? The halacha doesn't have, a, doesn't ban um, that sort of marriage, doesn't call it statutory rape. Um, not our issue. So, um, so um, Ramosha says that that's one case where when, where the, the marriage only chaled rabbanan until until she reaches majority. So when she reaches majority, you have to do something to affect the marriage again. What you have to do is a whole separate halachic dispute. Um, and obviously, in that case, in that case, she's not going to be a, um, a batula. A second case is what happens if the um, what happens if the if the, if uh, he civilly married a um, a woman while she was not Jewish, and then she converts. And the third case is what happens if a woman forgave her ketubah, and now if they want to live together, you can't live together without a ketubah. So he has to write her a new ketubah. What should the amount of the new um, of the new ketubah be? Um, so Rav says Machlokas in that last case where she forgives, uh, he thinks the correct result is she gets two hundred, and the question is why, since she's not a betula, um, when he writes the new ketubah, why, why should she get two hundred? Um, so one possibility is that um, that in the other two cases, right, that where he um, where he did something to diminish her ketubah value, right, he consummated the marriage without without. Uh, he, cons- he consummated intercourse without uh, giving her a ketubah, so it's his fault. Um, that doesn't apply to a case where she forgives. Um, so that's not the uh, right. So the, we have to reframe it as saying that he himself accepts that she should not um, lose because of what he because uh, of what he did. But that still doesn't explain the um, the case where she forgives it. Um, I guess you could say no, like you know, it's still he's the one who consummated it. Um, or right, so but so the first approach is going to be somehow that he takes responsibility for her not being a um, a betula. Um, still may not be great in the case where she forgives, but we can work it out. And the second possibility, which uh, seems much more conceptually interesting, is that the obligation dates back uh, in the case of forgiveness to the original marriage. And, that he has, uh, he has language where shown him saying that that the ketubah is two hundred because that was the the obligation of the ketubah was incurred at the um, the moment of the original marriage and this new ketubah, even though she forgave the original one, this new ketubah is really being um, re- is really a recreation of the original chiyav and not a um, and not a new chiyav. So that's a very odd claim. Why should that be? She forgave it. Uh, so that Russia has uh, right and. Um, and would that apply in any way to a case where there was no halachic marriage? So Moshe says radically that yes, it could apply to cases right, where uh, where there was no prior um, kedushin and therefore there's no actual chi of Now, How can that be? Um, so here's what Moshe says: Demasa lekicha leinian kol hachiyuvim sheben ish leishto have a af below. Uh, that the masalakichi, so the action of taking someone as taking a woman as wife, regarding all the obligations in husband and wife, is not dependent on kedushin. What it depends on, this sounds very much like Rafenkin, it depends on X and Y agreeing to be in a husband and wife relationship. 
Moshe says, but that relationship uh, is non... It establishes the terms of the relationship, but it's non-binding. They can each back out. It's parallel to something we may also discuss, um, that if you hold that you can't... that the Pasuk, Kilibri Yisrael Vadim, prevents um, binding contracts for a specific performance for labor, so then if I agree to work for you for a certain... Um, salary to certain conditions, those salary conditions are binding um, on us so long as the relationship continues, but you can't stop me from leaving, and according to at least Rav, I can't stop you from terminating the contract either. It's just, it governs the terms of a relationship, but it ceases the moment that the relationship ceases. Ramosha seems to think that's what happens in circumstances like this as well, that, um, that, for all, that you enter, when you enter into a committed monogamous relationship, though it's not even clear exactly how how much the monogamy is a core factor and because uh, most that's a that's a more complicated issue which would require more explanation um, but a committed let's say a committed uh, one-to-one relationship um, so then all the normal obligation of husband and wife apply so long as you're in the relationship it's just that you that either side can terminate it at um, at will um Really interesting claim, right, right? And he says it's like you know, if you buy an object, the purpose of a kinyan when you buy an object is to prevent backsies. Um But the the sale, um, t- right, took can take place only with words. Um, it's just that, right, even though word, but words just can't create a kinyan. So therefore, he says, um, right. So therefore. If the marriage relationship is initiated while she is a minor, um, then that in that defines the relationship, and the Kenyan um, that happens later, the Deraisa Kenyan, just ratifies the existing relationship. It doesn't initiate the relationship, uh, and therefore So therefore, she uh, is a woman who has entered into marriage with him as a Batula, even if the Kenyan only happens after she became a Batula. The only thing is that if he explicitly states, no, I don't wish to marry you uh, unless I, unless your Ketubah is diminished to 100, so then he right, what he's doing is he's withdrawing from the original marriage, and the original marriage, this is, seems to be a, something of a hole, that at least I need to figure out how to fill, um, doesn't generate an obligation of Ketubah, and so how Moshe can both say that the Chiv HaKtubah is implicit in it, and yet that when you when you breach it without a get, um, it doesn't um, it doesn't uh, initiate the obligation of a Ketubah. Um, so there's going to have to be something a little bit fancy, uh, fancy fancy there to explain it. That the Chiv of it's a fancy. It's, it takes something fancy that I haven't figured out quite yet. Uh, but Moshe says therefore. Um, therefore, as long as he hasn't said that explicitly, the default is that the woman in such a case gets a ketubah of uh, of two hundred. And then he says, um, that um, right. Sorry, it's the, the other way. If if he marries a woman while he is not Jewish, and then um, he converts, so. His relationship with her, sorry, I, I had it the other way around, right? His relationship with her begins while, um, begins when the condition can't be consummated, but the relationship, his relationship with her began while she is a Ptula, so when the marriage is actually, 
not counted when the marriage is chal, the condition is chal, which wasn't possible before he converted, it's still nonetheless, right, even though at the time um, of the initiation, uh, in the case of the Tana, she was not capable of entering into Kedushin. In the case of the man who converts, he was not capable of entering into Kedushin. Nonetheless, when the Kedushin happens, it ratifies the prior, for lack of a better term, marriage, uh, rather than initiating a, um, a new relationship. So Ramosha ends up saying, on the basis of that, so he says, look, if a couple just had a casual sexual relationship, so according to the first logic that she shouldn't suffer for something he did, or he takes responsibility for everything he did, so maybe uh, the standard um, the standard ketuba is 200 in that case, but if you take it as a claim that, if you take his, and maybe that Ramosha would think that that would justify the uh, contemporary practice of uh, writing a tuba 200 without inquiring anyway, even in cases where the public presumption is that um, the bride is not a virgin. Uh, so I think we usually explain that as saying that we assume that the husband is mekabel al but Rav Moshe uh, might give us, put particular teeth in that if we think, if the issue is that, the, that we think that the couple had itself had a prior uh, sexual relationship. Okay. Um, but then he says, and he says that would, but if the point is that the marriage relationship is initiated when they make the commitment, so if the relationship is consummated before the commitment, then in such, right, so for a casual relationship, the uh, two would only be 100, and you have to use the logic that um, he just voluntarily uh, accepts the additional obligation upon himself. Uh, if the uh, woman was uh, mentally incompetent at the time they began the relationship, so he thinks that because that's a person who, although it, it changes, but at the, he doesn't think that's, he thinks that's different than a minor, that um, there's no possibility of entering into any kind of marriage relationship. He thinks you can enter into a marriage relationship with a katana, you just can't make it Kedushin Diorisa, but with a Shota, he thinks someone who's totally incompetent, you can't do that, so that wouldn't apply there either, so that's, okay, also interesting. But he gets the Nafkamina of our case, which is really fascinating, he says, but if you had a civil marriage... So, right, you don't have to do right. All the cases we've had so far are you know are fancy cases where, um, where there was some halachic barrier to the to the kinyan kedushin being chal. But here he says, look, there are two people that could have had kedushin. They chose not to have kedushin. They they're not married to each other. They don't need to get if they separate. And now they want to be halachically married to each other. They want kedushin. So Moshe says all the. Right, even in such a case where there was no barrier to the kedushin being chal before, we still see the kedushin as the ratification of the prior relationship, and not as the um, and not as the initiation of a new relationship. And therefore, in such a case, if she was a betula uh, at the time of the civil marriage, then Medina she gets the ketuba of two hundred at the halachic marriage unless he explicitly says, I wish to break the old relationship and continue the new one. Now, I really don't know, beyond the question of the amount of the ketubah, what other nafkaminas, uh, Ramosha's notion, that there is a marriage relationship, uh, just a, a marriage relationship that either party can leave, um, created by a civil marriage. Um, I don't know if it has any impact on the question of whether it it's uh, it's us or as premarital sex or not. 
Uh, or could you come with a much fancier position that it is usur, but until the point when the condition happens, but the condition in some way, I don't think you can say the condition happens retroactively. You can't say that the, if the woman sleeps with somebody else during that period that she retroactively becomes an HSC. So I'm not sure what it means in that regard, uh, in that regard either. Um, an afghina that would interest me is of, um, when people uh, who had non-Orthodox marriages or civil marriages uh, become Bali Shuva. So the question is, do you have to do a new chuppah and condition for them? I think the practical psak in America is certainly not. Um, question, though, is why not if we paskin um, like Rav Moshe that really they haven't had condition previously? So right, so we generally say, that, well, they must, you know, when they consummate the marriage next, they must have that Uldas condition. That, of course, runs into the problem of uh, Rav, Rav uh, having said that we give lashes to people who consummate uh, Kedushin um, by, um, or cr- create Kedushin through, uh, sexually. So there has to be something different about this. Uh, so I wonder if we could say that according to Rav Moshe that uh, if the relationship already exists and all that's happening is the Kenyan Kedushin as opposed, uh, as opposed to the entire framework of the relationship being committed by the sexual act, uh, whether that would be different, that would evade Rav's um, stricture. I'm sure there are other approaches to it, and I don't know them, but those are just throwing out enough Kaminas. Uh, I think that a full treatment of Moshe's position, uh, I have not yet seen one that satisfies me, um, so I'm throwing out enough Kaminas, and hopefully uh, either I or other people will have opportunities to explore them. Thank you for listening to this sub-series at the Varsha Time. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.